Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, the famous and maybe even infamous Jay and Tony show. If you don't listen, you should, because they say everything we're all thinking. And their honesty and their podcast gives me life every Thursday. That's when they release it. And they have been doing it for the past few years. These two are like an old married couple. They love each other like crazy, drive each other crazy. And we go back to the old college days where it all began, find out how they came together to become a successful producing duo and how they continue to work together even when they sometimes want to kill each other. Well, you guys, I'm super psyched you're here. This is very, a little bit, I feel a little bit like uh, nervous and I'm never nervous because uh, you guys are like the holy grail of the podcast uh, reality world. Of all the reality like, TV podcasts, there's three. There's <laughs> three. Yeah, we're one of them. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. We are definitely one of those. Well, it's also weird, and I think I said this to you when we had lunch, Jay, and I've met Jay before because I always start with saying how we met. I have met Jay before, and we're actually from the same hometown, and our parents know each other. Um, and, and Tony, I've never met before, so welcome. Thank Happy you. to meet you. Good to be here. Um, that, so that, glad was, you... that was my line. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Did you guys rehearse? <laughs> no. Well, when I, I was bugging out when we had lunch because I had been listening to you guys for so long. And it's, you know, like that Howard Stern experience when you finally like see what the person looks like or you meet them and you're like, you just know their voice. So I'm having a little bit, you know, it's a little jarring, but I'll get used to it. Is it more on the lines of disappointment or? <laughs> it's always disappointment. You're so much hotter than I thought you'd be. <laughs> that is what I wanted to hear. <laughs> okay, off to a good start. Well, the whole purpose of our starting a podcast was we don't get out that much. So <laughs> that way we could talk to more people in the industry and, and not have to have as many lunches. So right. it, it, it worked Did that out. really work? Yeah. Less well, lunches? Less lunches and, and we know more people. Right. People, and people think they know us, which is nice. So when you enter a room and they've heard the podcast, they say, oh, I've listened to you guys and they kind of get our dynamic and they feel like they know us, which is nice. It breaks the ice quicker, I guess. I always wonder about that because you guys, I mean, you're really good. And I've, you know, I listen almost every week for the last three years. How many years has it been? Two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. And I always, I notice that you're always really careful to protect the innocent or the guilty. In other words, you know, I'll try to sort of figure out who you're, you know, the head of a network who shall, you know, and then I'll sort of drill down, like, depending on what the subject matter is. But you're really good at kind of hiding the bodies in terms of talking shit, but not implicating anybody. Well, as as a network exec would say, it's a it's a play along at home. So you can try to guess. That's <laughs> right. part of the fun. We also have to work in this town. Well, that's so, the thing. So know. that's what I was going to ask. It's self-preservation entirely. It is. But you still do talk a lot of shit. So when you go into these meetings and, you know, you rag on network executives as a sort of as a whole, as I've been known to do a few times, but not to the extent that you guys lay it out bare, which I love. Do you feel like they like that in a way? That Here, here's, here's what I, be- I, I truly believe that probably every industry, but our industry especially, could use a lot more honest conversation among producers, among network execs, among talent, among everybody. And I don't just mean like a, a fucking jerk off panel at real screen. I mean like a <laughs> like a real honest conversation about what are we doing? What what are we actually doing? What are you telling us to do? What are we lying about? All of that stuff. I feel like it would make all of our jobs easier. I think it would make our shows better. And I, in the end, the people we really work for, the the viewers, I think would would benefit. And so right. we, we, have, we often say it, the us versus them mentality that exists gets in the way of making good television when people draw the line between executives and producers. And there's not the communication that Jay's talking about. 
that gets in the way of doing what we need to do. The us versus them, it's us collectively versus the audience or the dwindling audience. That's our enemy is trying to battle that and pull in viewers where they're not, they're going other places. So we have to work with executives. And when we vent and rant and talk a lot of shit, it's really mostly to get all that off of our chest so we can do our jobs better. But like Jay saying, there was a higher purpose, hopefully in getting a communication going and airing it out and getting over it and then moving the fuck on. Well, do you notice a change in the executives you're pitching to since you've done the podcast in terms of maybe them trying to like play that a little bit more? Like they're like, yeah, we're going to be cool and actually talk honestly because we know your guys POV on all this. No. <laughs> Damn, I, think, I think you are who you are. You know, I, I think yeah. do we make some people a little self-conscious maybe because mm-hmm. they don't want to be Those that. Dishes. But But that's not a. That's not a good or bad thing. Nobody wants to be that douche. And Mm -hmm. even the people who are don't want to be and probably don't realize they are. So, yeah, everybody for the first two minutes, if they listen a lot, they might be like, hey, I'm not going to do I'm not going to do that thing you guys talk about. But in the end, if they're going to do it, they'll end up doing it. You know, I also think we don't really hate the player. We hate the game. Yeah. I don't know if those people are inherently bad or bad at their jobs or bad people. I think they're in a world that we don't really understand. We, we've never been executives. We don't know all the bullshit and the politics that you have to go through and all that that rigmarole. So when we vent about it, it's really just at a system that feels a little more broken than it needs to be. Not those people per se, although yeah. they embody a lot of that and they speak that <laughs> network ease that pisses us off. And we rant about that. But but like one of my one of my favorite times that we were on our podcast talking to a network exec was we had Nancy Daniels. I was on, just going to bring that up. Who's who's been a friend for a long time. Yeah. She's a fantastic executive, at least what I believe so. And and we work together, and we really like her, and she's an actual human being. And <laughs> but we were able to get into it with her, and she gave us shit back. She and, did. And. I really appreciated that. Like, she called us on our shit. And I want to be called on our shit, but I want to be able to call you on your shit, you know? And I wish we could do more of that. I think people are scared. I was just going to say, it's a fear-based thing, I think, more than anything. I don't think—I mean, you know, when you guys are out pitching all the time, there's plenty of smart execs. I mean, as much as we rag on the dumb ones, there's plenty of smart ones like Nancy, you know, but— Probably not at her level, you know, slightly below her. But they're, I think they're scared. First of all, it's like, you know, cheating on your boyfriend type of thing. Like, you know, if they, I've had a few instances where the door's been closed and they're like, you know, this place is a hot mess. But you rarely, and not that you should be ragging out your own network. I mean, that's probably bad judgment. But but it would be nice to say, like, look, guys, we're really trying to figure out where we are right now. We just rebranded and, like, you should probably just pitch us everything because we don't know what we want. Like, that would be a right. nice thing or, to hear. Hey, I know you drove over here, but we we just got our new rebranding million dollar marketing portfolio with lots of pictures of millennials. The mandate in there, yeah. And whatever you pitch us now is going to get lost in the shuffle. So you probably we should probably just have a drink of coffee, and you guys should come back in two months. Right. I, I think someone once told me that, and I really appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because this is, and I want to see if this is true because I haven't heard you guys talk about this. So I come from the East Coast and just moved out here 15 months ago, but I used to come out all the time to pitch. And I always had a thing about pitching in New York versus L.A., which is New York, everyone passes in the room, and in L.A., no one ever passes in the room. It's so send us a dream and we'll follow up, even though they know they're passing. So do you have you guys noticed that sort of L.A., New York I, thing? I always— She's about to open up a new yeah, no, no. No, he's, oh, yeah. sorry. No, here's the thing. I <laughs> I always like pitching in New York, even though I live here now. I, I always thought it was just because it was my people. Like, yeah. like I, I just feel like it's there's something about walking around Manhattan, hailing yeah. a cab, yeah. like 
being in the cold, going up to getting your own lunch, like at a pizza place. There's something that's just getting like crapped on by a pigeon, yeah. stepping in somewhere. There's just something about running up, around New York now. Getting eating. screamed at, God, almost I killed in a it. crosswalk. It's fantastic. <laughs> but I love it. There is something about pitching in New York that I just prefer. I feel like I have more conversation, more honest conversations. It's just real. Yeah. It's just like and and it's also right now, because I don't live there, I concentrate all the pitches in, in a week, so it feels more productive. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But, but yeah, I, I I mean, that's just a whole New York versus L.A. and everyone, at what you know, and L.A. is full of shit. What, what are you going to say? But what's the old wound? This conversation, oh, New York shit. versus L.A. Okay. And now I'm outgunned two to one, so I'll yeah, probably have to. you grew up here. I grew up here. Okay. And I find there are, sure, yes, there are differences. Um, and... But I don't know if you generalize the—I don't know if you can or should generalize the way that Jay does about New York versus L.A. <laughs> and if he loves it and misses it so much, he should move the fuck back there. And that's why I feel about all New Yorkers. Like, look, if you don't want to be here, get off my fucking I, road. I stop clogging up the freeway. Here. I just no, don't want to bitch here. Then you don't need—then you don't get to bitch about it. If I, you I enjoy everything else, though, then fuck you. Yeah, I like the weather. Um, it's like paying your taxes. If you enjoy the amenities and the infrastructure— I don't like paying my taxes. I know, but then you still do. So, but I also tend to generalize about people who live in certain places. Like I, I right. really don't like most Canadians. Oh, I think British weird. people are flaky. They're you weird. know, like it's that's <laughs> how it goes. But I enjoy Toronto and and love going to London. I just think the people are kind of off. <laughs> just okay, me. all right. We should probably move on before yeah. Jay digs us a bigger hole. Yeah. No. I, okay. So, but, but love Tony, the French. What you, I love the French. They're great. What do you think about? I mean. I mean, you pitch in New York. I mean, you're hanging out. I think out executives with... are executives, producers are producers, okay. pitch doesn't, meetings are pitch meetings. Doesn't matter where. And it varies from network to network. I think certain networks certainly have been rotting from the head down a lot more than others, but I don't think it has to do with which coast they're on. Okay. Interesting. And you, I would not have known that you grew up here. And that's a generalization in my head that you just feel very East Coast to me. Now, now he's got a fucking boner because he, he loves hearing that. I just that. checked. He, I don't actually have loves, a boner. He loves being told that, that he feels like he grew up in New York. He loves, Tony uh, loves when people say that. To since him. when? You've always loved that. You, I you, find it interesting. I don't love it. I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't love it. It's right, not fair. Right, whatever. I'm, well, prou- I'm proud of Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. I really do. For the record, they're both wearing all black, so that's a New York thing. Just saying. It's more it's, of a lazy thing. <laughs> it's more it of a... just makes getting dressed easier. It does. I don't like having to worry about matching blues and things. It's Black goes with everything. It does. All right, so part of what... Probably the whole thing of what I love about your podcast is the banter. I mean, you guys are doing it here. It's just, it's not rehearsed. It's not your, it just is your relationship. And it's like, I described it in my intro as like the old married couple. It's like you love each other and you want to kill each other. Is that pretty much sum it up? Wait, hold on. You did an intro without us being here? Yeah. Well, what I do is I'll do the intro and then if it's massively changed from that, I'll go back and re record it. But usually I'll make it super broad. So you don't listen to podcasts, so you wouldn't know that. Right. We usually just, <laughs> we usually just stammer through an intro with that person sitting there. Often <laughs> mispronouncing their name right oh yeah no i can't do that it's, okay. it's, it's i don't that doesn't work yeah, for we me. should we should start doing that more often what the, mm-hmm. the intro with the person not in the room correct it's a little canned frankly like i don't love it about it but it's the only way it can work because then i'll like, stumble i hate the stumbling so. right that's, that's uh-huh. a good idea that is a good right, idea well, start well, you're doing welcome okay. all right <laughs> sorry go back to your question what well, was it the, the old married couple i said like you love each other which i know you have proclaimed your love so i feel comfortable saying that but you do want to kill each other and hate each other a lot uh, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 pretty, that's pretty much accurately describes this guy's yeah. marriage, pretty much. Yeah. Well, it is something that we just take for granted at this point, yeah. and I have no idea how much 
shit we give each other. It's just as part of, right. it's like breathing. Right. It's like waking up in the morning. It just happens. Like, like it doesn't make you feel bad even like, oh, we just got in a fight or we just, because you don't think of it we that way. We don't notice it as fighting. Yeah. It's how we work well together, okay. honestly. And, and when it comes to television and being creative, it's great because we fight, we get through it. The, the best idea wins, whether that's on the on the move in the field or developing an idea in the office like i feel like we just we don't hold back there's no mm-hmm. bullshit we we pound on each other until a, a good idea comes out and and that could be what to do when uh somebody on camera is starting to cry what do we do we we pound it through really quickly and we get to a good answer or it could be four hours of trying to crack a format and we'll be yelling at each other and, and at each other's throats, but a good idea comes out of it. And I'm not sure if it's really wonderful communication or really <laughs> awful communication. We often have this discussion when we're not getting along in terms of having some you know, banter and jocularity. It's a lot more heated and angry and the tones are, are not right. And I think the word dick is used a lot. We're just at each other. Um but there's something freeing about that as well, especially when you're trying to be creative, where we just don't hold back anything good, bad, whatever. Yes. But at times it feels like, oh, this is a really awful relationship. Like we just aren't getting along. <laughs> right. And this is, I mean, if anybody listened to it, and they probably do because our walls are thin, right. most are, they would hear people yelling at each other in a very potentially mean way. But once it's over, and again, like I can only just re- relate it to a relationship, like, are you done? And then you just go, or the is it still there? Like you're feeling like nah, kind of yucky. It's, it, we, we, it's like we have uh, only short, short-term memory. Really? Like, it's, it's like, like amnesia. Yeah. So we, we, we move on. The What's happened a few times is if we're in a room with a bunch of producers and <laughs> being creative, and then we just forget everyone else is there and we start yelling at each other. <laughs> we start we, doing our thing. People, we, we look around and it's kind of like, yeah. mommy and daddy are fighting <laughs> right. again. What do we do? And yeah, especially when we're comfortable with a few people who know us. It's that new person who looks around like, oh, oh what's what's happening here? Well, this doesn't feel right. Because there, <laughs> there are douchebags in, in Hollywood and we pride ourselves on not yelling at anyone except each other and treating people with respect and, <laughs> and having sets and production rooms that feel really good. Uh, so it's the one time when if you don't know us and you come in and you watch us yelling at each other, like, oh, shit, what did I sign up for? Right. <laughs> Life is way too short to work with assholes. Right. And we do try very hard to surround ourselves all around with We're people. We're not always successful. No, but well, we do. Be. It's but an odds game. We want to have our office environment fun. Our sets are fun. The team gets along and it is a team and that yeah. is better for everything, for your well-being mentally as well as the production itself. And we do, I can't, I think we, I'd be hard pressed to think of a time where Jay yelled at anyone or I yelled at anyone other than at each other. So interesting. I remember uh, on a recent podcast, you guys were talking about your relationship. I can't remember who said what, but you basically came to the fact that like there's an inherent trust there. I think to me, that's the core of it, because it is like, a you know, widely interested, like, you know, you never know kind of who's coming or going or whatever. So to me, it's like the fighting almost doesn't matter if there's that end of the day, ride or die trust, like kind of you don't get that with an you know, a lot of people, right? Well, yeah, it, I think it, it's, it's an old, in the end, it's trust. Like he, 
he's got access to our bank account and he, <laughs> he could be ripping me off blindly and let's keep this tape for later when it happens. But so far, I trust him completely. Right. But it's also respect. It's like he makes a decision, even if I don't agree with it, if I wasn't there, I respect that he made a good decision, you know, and and that way we can be in more than one place at the yeah, same time. A good time. partnership allows you to be in more places and we often talk about that when we're pitching ourselves to a network or back when we were pitching ourselves to get jobs, we could actually do more by being the two of us. And we sort of share a brain. We share a central nervous system and there is inherent trust in that. I don't know. We didn't plan it that way. It just sort of developed because we were friends for so long and life does its job forging you by good and bad. So we've come to this place. I don't know. I couldn't replicate this if I tried. Right. And I think it's really hard, especially what you know, we met when we were teenagers. I don't know if we could have done it if we met when we were in our 20s or, you know, 30s, because I don't know if you are. Life doesn't give you those opportunities to bond the way you did when you were younger. And that's where that trust comes from. Because now I think if I said to Jay, hey, give me your money, I will put it in the bank and I'll be the only person that has the bank card. I think he'd be more like Lee to say, go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, but that's what happens. That's, so what, that, that's what has happened. Oh, but we, you're, I'm saying, you're now, saying I'm start, too lazy to change it now. Well, no, but like if, if he was, met you today and right. you said, give me all your money. Oh, I would say go fuck yourself. <laughs> Correct. Yes, right. right. Yes. Whereas now that's what actually happens. Well, if you probably log the amount of time that you've spent together since college, which is when you met, you've probably spent more time together than with anyone, including your spouses, right? I mean, is that... I feel like I've spent more time with Jay than I have with myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's how much time we spend together. We definitely, we definitely hit the re requisite 10,000 hours of friendship. Of practice, so. yeah. What annoys you most about... If you had to name the number one thing that annoys you most about each other, what is it? Wow. <laughs> big size, big size. Uh, well, it, it, it feel, it's almost so many things and then nothing, <laughs> really. And the, at the end of the day, it isn't right, important. There are no deal breakers, it, obviously. There's not, not. Not one deal breaker. Is there like a tick, like the way... Uh, oh, well, he eats with his hands. We know that. He eats with his hands. He, 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 <laughs> he slopes his coffee and chews really loud. Yeah. But that bothers me about a lot of people. Right. <laughs> That's just one of those things. Right. Well, here's the thing. I, uh, my biggest annoyance. Uh, oh, yes. I look on his face. Yeah. Oh, good I was, was going to give you a compliment. Oh, oh man. Of. It was going to be slightly backhanded. <laughs> well, so I think he's too negative, but I think his negativity helps us be a, a good partnership helps good things happen when it comes to TV because he pokes holes. Now, he pokes holes for too long and then nothing gets done. But <laughs> but but when he does poke holes, it's a good thing. He, he helps make things better right. by poking holes. We, we saw this documentary, uh, <laughs> this British doc about this guy, Darren Brown. He's an amazing, like, hypnotist, magician. Oh, you magician. really going to do this story? No. And so there was a whole thing about luck. And so the, the bit was he was going to make people think they had luck. And, and kind of these elaborate pranks where where people, good things would happen and, and would they believe that they had luck or would they, you know. And there was this one guy in it that they kept trying to give good luck to, but he was just so, like they would put a $50 bill on the on the ground in front of him and, and just when they knew where he was going to be walking and everybody else would find the 50 and go, oh, I had a lucky day. And this guy would just never see the $50 bill. And they kept... They, they they had someone selling stuff on the street and they're and they're like, hey, can I take your name? And then they were going to give him a big prize. And the guy's like, yeah, fuck it. I don't want that. They could not give this guy good luck. So that if if I I guess I've been talking about this for a while. But but if if I that I've tried, I'm trying to help my partner not be so negative because the shorthand now is, dude, you're going to miss the $50 bill on the sidewalk. And he misses many of those. But luckily, I'm right there behind him to pick them up. 
Aw, I wasn't sure where that was going, but right. I like that. Yeah. You like that? Really? <laughs> I brought it home. You brought it home. I think you, you pulled a muscle patting yourself on the back a little bit at the end there, but sure, <laughs> let's go with that was a nice yeah. story, Jay. We'll, we'll, we'll pretend that was a lovely story. And you guys share an office, right? Uh, we we're we've moved and now we're in various places. But yeah, we further most of our career we've shared an office, and we find that that's annoying but good because then you don't have to update each other. You just watch it happen live. Right, you you're know? just right there. Yeah. It was something born out of necessity. We were squatting in another person's <laughs> right. office, and we didn't take two. We took that one, and we shared a desk and a one chair, and that's how we started. And how did it all start? So you guys met at Cornell. Is that? Uh, am I making that up? You think you are? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Where did I get Cornell from? I don't know. Am I making uh, you smarter than you are? Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I met some people from Cornell that are stupid, but right. I think it's probably a better school that we went to Berkeley. Okay. So I think, right? Okay. As reputations go, I think Cornell is still slightly above Berkeley. Well, Berkeley's up there. Right. Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't take okay. much. Let's start again. So you met at Berkeley. Yes, <laughs> we did. As, as I know. Um, exactly. And so were you thrown in together as roommates? Did you choose each other? No, um, I didn't get housing because Berkeley's <laughs> overcrowded. And so you do a lottery and I did not get uh, any housing. So I had to find an apartment off campus uh, and I had a roommate and over the summer, I found out that he, the summer between freshman and sophomore year, I found out that he had gotten kicked out of school because he was a fucking pothead uh, mm -hmm. and never went to class. And it was not surprising that he got kicked out. And I called my friend Jay, who I had met in the dorms because I needed to eat and I couldn't cook. So I had a <laughs> meal ticket. And that's where I met him. And I was like, hey, you're one of the only people I know. Do you want to come live with me? I have a space. My apartment. And when he says space, what I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't say, was... I, I didn't say room, I said space. Well, he, he did say space, and I should have uh, <laughs> looked into it more. It was it was sort of like a kitchen annex. There was like oh a... Well, yeah, yeah, it was At like a little point, breakfast nook where you put your little table for breakfast. That's where my futon went. And we put up a little, like, canvas <laughs> curtain. Yeah, it was yeah. great. We had to move the uh, refrigerator into the closet in the hallway. Oh, my God. So it was truly the breakfast room Wait, annex. You, you slept in the hallway? No. The, the refrigerator lived in the hallway. Oh, in the okay. closet. So that way so I could sleep in the kitchen. The door didn't even open all yeah. the way. Yeah. That okay. made more room for Jay's futon in the breakfast room okay. annex. So you were used to sharing small spaces together. Very basically. true. Very true. <laughs> yeah. From a young age. And then did you kind of always have this relationship that you had? I mean, obviously it's different now that you work together, but was there always sort of this banter between you guys even back then? Yes. The name of our company, which which we have issue with at this point, um, <laughs> is the Jay and Tony show. And that was coined by my cousin, who was also at Berkeley. He was older than us. And he and his drunken frat brothers would come down to eat hot dogs at the place right next door to our apartment. And if it was raining or cold, we would buzz him up so he and his drunk friends would be able to eat in, in shelter. And <laughs> he would say often, let's see the Jay and Tony show. And he'd wind us up. And we would play music or, you know. And we would just sort of fight as, as entertainment for him and his drunk frat buddies. And they enjoyed right. it and called it They'd the wind us up and, and then they would leave. And so that's what he's called. Yeah, that's where we coined the Jay and Tony show. And that sort of stuck because we did fight and people enjoyed that, I guess. Yeah, but you guys aren't happy with that anymore? Well, the title? No, because the Jay and Tony show implies that you will get both Jay and Tony right, on set. Right, right. We should have called it the Jay and or Tony show. Or, or just, just none of us. And we'll send somebody just, if you're lucky. Yeah. Coffee Cup Coffee Cup Productions. And then somebody from Coffee Cup Productions shows up. You're right, happy. Right. Yeah, that was, that was, I mean, we've, we've told people this. Never name your company the name of you. Because then you're stuck. And it's, I mean. You can't send a representative. 
Yeah. So interesting. It's, it's just, I mean, it's it feels really good when you, you're like, oh, we, we could call it anything we want. Let's use our names. Do not do that. Hear that, kids? Yeah. Anyone starting a company? Yeah. Interesting. So then, who did you guys, you, Jay, you went into the music business first, right? So TV didn't happen right away. Correct. Uh, I, in New York? I, I, Let's see how you spin this. I got signed to Warner Brothers with my band from high school. We wow. went around, toured, made videos, had an awesome life for a few years. Meanwhile, Tony stayed in L.A., worked his way up as a PA, got yelled at by famous directors, delivered scripts in the middle of the night while it was raining. Uh, and we talk once in a while, and I would have the good life, and he'd have the shitty life. Then... My bands get dropped. I'm sitting in New York in my underwear in my apartment waiting for the phone to ring. I have nothing. And Tony has managed to work his way up where he has the ability to hire people. And he hired me to go produce some TV. And what was the first show you hired him for? A show called America's Sexiest Lifeguards. It was a fantastic <laughs> gig. He sent me around the country to beaches to take sexy shots of uh, mostly female but some male lifeguards. Mostly shower shots was what I was right. told to do. You're like, TV's so, pretty cool, too. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. And I realized I was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, he did uh, America's Top Ten Beaches. Yeah, I was good, It was too. a bunch of travel shows. Okay, but wait I a was, minute. I was a supervising producer of uh, a travel series. Right. And we would just hire you know local crews and send producers out. But he was producing get... this, but never having produced Correct. anything. Well, I taught him everything he <laughs> well, knows. Here, my, my actual first TV gig was without Tony. And I, when I was sitting in New York waiting for the phone to ring, a friend of mine said, hey, and I had never done any TV. I love I just, how you're going to say this is without Tony. Keep telling the story. It doesn't, how do you come into this story? I think you're thinking of a different story. Okay, which story? You have nothing to do with this story. Which story is it? So, friend calls and says, hey, uh, I was just, I just had a meeting on the VH1 show, Where Are They Now? Which is a show about, yeah. right. This how, is, how do you come into this? Uh, writing your scripts for you? You, you didn't write it. There was no scripts. Yeah, what are you there talking? was. I know was you it? didn't think so. I, okay, yeah. I have completely blocked out the part yeah, you where said, Tony helped me. The, the so part anyway. where you called me in a panic, like, hey, I just got this job. I don't know how. I have no idea what I'm doing, and I need you to help me write the script. Totally forgot that part. And here's an example of one of them. I think, what do I do? And then I wrote it for you. No memory of this at all. I, I anyway, have a feeling you didn't. So the point That's is, why I jumped in early. I go, I go in for this job interview. Um, I lie they need somebody the next day. I say, yeah, yeah, I could do this, which I sort of felt like I know bands. I know bands that were, were famous once and then yeah. fell from grace. Right. I'm sort of that, except Your only I was experience never was famous, you have so. ears and you listen to the radio. So the next day I'm on a train <laughs> down to Washington, D.C. Uh, to interview Peaches and Herb. And uh, remember Peaches and Herb? Yeah, I thought they lived in New York. Remember they had that restaurant on 72nd Street? Peaches and Herb? Oh, yeah. That's who I thought. I don't know. I okay. think that's some other feel, R&B I'm going group. Google. Yeah. I'm going anyway, Google after at this. At the time, Peaches was living with Herb. Her, <laughs> it was the third Peaches. There have okay. been several. And maybe, Herb, right, Herb was the, the... And they were living in some fucking crack house off of the D.C., you know, in the shitty part of D.C. Nice. The, the windows all boarded up. That's like, where they are now. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> where they were. <laughs> when right. I, right. And so uh, I'm interviewing them, and then I say to them, hey, uh, what do you guys like to do? They're like, well, sometimes we do yard work. So they have one of those push mowers, like yeah. not electric, but just kind of spins. So I'm like, hey, why don't you guys mow the lawn? We'll get some B-roll. And so they start pushing the little thing through their shitty, like overgrown lawn. And then I, I, I have this brilliant idea. And I'm like, 
why don't you guys sing Reunited while you're pushing the shitty lawnmower? And they do, and I'm looking at the monitor. For everybody out there, and that was their hit song. Reunited. Anyway, uh, so that was the moment <laughs> when I knew song. that television was a good job for me. Because point. you thought of that idea. And I looked at it, I'm like, wow, this, like, this is, is great. Working. This is how you exploit people. I know how to do this. <laughs> All right. And then Tony wrote a script for me or something. I don't something like that, that happened. And then, then okay, and then be, and then lifeguards, and then Tony said, "Hey, we're good at that. We're we're good at doing this together. Move to L.A. Like, what were you just like sick of being in your underwear?" Yeah, pretty much. I okay. needed to, I needed to put some pants on, <laughs> right. and I put some pants on. Came to L.A. We wrote a bunch of screenplays, sold them. Really, they never got made, but we made some money. We wrote some comedy books. Those things got optioned for movies. Like, we started kind of thinking we were going to be the new hot comedy screenwriting team. Interesting. And while we waited for that, we ended up kind of falling into documentary television and reality and uh and that's did those screenplays like what happens once they're optioned like does it ever come back to you i'm basically i'm just saying like could you take those back and try to sell them today do they hold up uh yes well yes we could sell we ever actually option doesn't hold up okay it was about wrestling (laughs) and it was right at the time before uh wrestling was Obviously, entertainment. No, it was oh, a big thing, but they were, they, were, they were pretending still right, that it was, it was a real, real yeah. athletic competition <laughs> and not just a, a you know, a, a, show. a play. Yeah. No, um, and it was, we, we put the, the script out. We, I had done uh, a doc about the inside world of wrestling prior to, the, it was when, when Vince McMahon was still calling it the World Wrestling yeah, Federation, Federation and not entertainment, which clearly just opens up to the fact that it was all fake. But Did they make him change the name because of that? They made him change the name because of the the Wildlife Foundation. Oh, the right, The World right, Wildlife right. Foundation yeah. was like, we're tired of you. That's yeah. kind of, those things don't really go well together. Right. Saving pandas and, <laughs> right. and steroid guys beating each other up. <laughs> that just don't work. Yeah. Um, so they made him change it. And then I think that was when he was like, fuck it. I'm giving up. Yeah. It's called entertainment. Enjoy it. So was your screenplay a satire of wrestling? Yeah, it okay. was. It was a comedy, and we gave it to our agents or lawyers at the time, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be, this is going to be huge." A bunch of studios are going to. There's PAs take going to their house. They're going to studio execs are going to read it. They're not allowed to to hold on to it, and then they have to tell us by Monday. Your lives will change, and their lawyers were like, "You guys, you don't know well, what's going to happen." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, did, it didn't actually work out that way. <laughs> well, our, our lives changed for the shittier. Well, yeah, no, they but supposedly there was one weekend in our lives when we were living like we were going to be the next Shane Black, uh, and and everyone was telling us on Monday your whole life will change, and then nobody and then bought it. Tuesday yeah. came, yeah, uh, and it hadn't changed yet. That was the beginning yeah. of the school of right. hard knocks. Well, yeah. yeah, we and we had written a couple of humor books, and we optioned those, and they come back to you eventually. But yeah. by then, it's just it's hard to bring those things back. It it's is hard to resurrect the excitement, especially now. Right, right, and humor is cha- like a lot of the humor has kind of changed too. Oh, our like, humor is held up. Don't get me wrong. Right. We're still hilarious. Okay, <laughs> what about so? Were you guys at the beginning? It seemed like you were hired more as like a, a show, for, uh, Guns for Hire, like the duo, right? Mm-hmm. Like show running duo. At what point did you say to each other, like, we should be doing our own shows and we should form this company? Uh, How many years ago was that? I don't know. It was about 15 years ago. Um, 
it was just a steady upward trend towards okay. doing whatever was above that. Like yeah. I started as a PA. I wanted to then become right. a, an associate producer or a segment producer. And then after that, I was like, oh, fuck, I'll be a producer. What's next? A supervising producer. I could do that job. And I sort of just learned my way up. That's when I bring Jay on. I throw him the, the life raft and he comes on board as supervising producer type. And then from there, we were like, okay, what's next? Co-executive producer. We worked our way up and, and then eventually executive producer. And then we thought, huh. Let's actually just form our own company and figure that out. So when you guys started the company, and I don't know the exact chronology, like at what point did you partner up with Relativity and go under their banner, which now is critical content, but at the time was Relativity? We've sort of spent our career as a company being in, partially being independent. Then we had a deal with Warner Horizon. Then we were independent again. Then we were with Relativity. Now we're with Critical. Like it's, we've, we've done both and they're both fine it depends on our lives don't really change we do the same things we think of our own shows we go pitch our own shows we make our own shows the the good news is that we have overhead taken care of and we don't have to pay for the electricity right and have to worry about that right when when we don't have shows right got it so for the infinite future it will work just fine it's all good yeah that's great i think that there's company owners that you know, are um, strictly sort of developers, sell, hire the showrunners. They take the lead on the show. From just listening to your podcast, it sounds like you guys are super hands-on as showrunners. Now, whether that's by design or whether it's called the Jay and Tony show and you have no choice. I mean, I'm assuming you hire showrunners for those shows. We do. I think we're just concerned with quality control. We feel like the one thing we have in this world is our reputation. That That's the one thing we can control. So it's important, especially at the beginning of a pilot or a series, that we know that we're, we're going to – we might get some credit if it's good, but we'll definitely get blamed <laughs> if it's bad. And so, yeah, we, we try to hire good people and, and we try to um, – we often have many productions going at once. But as opposed to just sort of letting them go, we want to make sure that they're good, especially when they're in that early stage where where they're very vulnerable and things could change. Once, once you get it up and running, it's a little easier to pop in and out. Um, but at that and we really stage, like we really like yeah. production. Yeah, I mean, I, I do enjoy being out in the field, and it takes so long these days to sell a show, forgetting how long it takes to conceive of them or pitch them and close deals and all that stuff. When you finally get out there, you want to enjoy that. Yeah. You want to reap the rewards of all your hard work. So going into the field is actually a reward in a lot of ways. We enjoy that work. That that hands-on work is actually enjoyable for us, and we enjoy being out in the field together. It's it's also, I think. Since we're the, we have to go and look people in the eye when we sell shows, right. and I think there's there's a lot. I mean, we we talk about the fact that we don't like the bullshit, but there's a lot of bullshit, and everyone's got it, including us. So when we look someone in the eye and sell them a show, I want to make sure that I'm going to deliver on what what we've told them will deliver. So now that makes sense. So I mean, every one I think probably knows you best for Gigolos, right? That's like your. Would you say that's sort of like. It depends what, what your yeah. what your taste is. A lot of people know us for restaurant stakeout. A right. lot of people right. uh, who probably aren't watching Jiggle. Right? Yeah, it, <laughs> may not be I the mean, same audience. It's we 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 try to to keep changing what we're doing so yeah. that you know if we're doing a restaurant show, then we're going to do a sex show next. If we're doing mm-hmm. a sex show, then we'll do High School Musical for ABC next because that's not what you'd expect us to do. You know, so well that's what I was going to ask in terms of your brand. Like, is it just sort of what you get excited about? You know, I mean, would you do? Yeah, I don't know if we think about that very much. I'm not trying to be. Yeah, no, it's fine. 
defensive. I just don't think we think of our brand. I mean, I know we're the two guys that wear all black. That's something <laughs> I, I, st- well, I can stand behind. But as far as our brand, I don't really know what that is. I, we've always just followed our noses, if you will. We, we, we just find projects that we find interesting and want to work on and be there for. Yeah. And we would watch. And that's right. what drives us is well, to I, make I mean, shows we'd want to see. I, I, I disagree, maybe because I obsess about perception more than Tony. Tony right. just gets into the nitty gritty and does it. Yeah. Um, I like to think that our brand is shows that don't suck. And it, we, we don't always stay on brand. I will admit that. <laughs> but I think that that's the, really what you think. Yeah. Shows, shows that shows, don't suck. Shows really? that don't can, suck. That's, uh, can I elaborate, please? You're going to whether yeah. I say yes or not. And uh, I think whether it's a serious doc type show, like a pure doc, or whether it's a sex comedy like Gigolos, or whether it's just a kind of straight down the middle restaurant show, I like to believe that there's just a bit more authenticity and a bit more honesty somewhere in there, even if it's a format, even if it's a reality show, that that when you watch it, you know, oh, Jay and Tony are part of that, that they, they, they tried to cut through the bullshit a little more than usual. We don't always succeed, but that's what I aspire to. With you, you got a problem with that bitch? I, I stand, wasn't talking to you. I, I stand behind the words. Shows that don't suck, that's a little underwhelming. Shows that don't suck, man. Okay. Yeah. Hey, look, you got to set the bar low and then yeah. exceed expectations. I guess so. Right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> Under promise, over deliver. <laughs> right. So with Gigolos, did you, was that brought to you? How did that evolve? Um, we, we met some Gigolos. Uh, Just out in Vegas? Th- it was brought to us by a group of producers. Okay. One, one, one of whom was Richard Grieco. Uh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. I've heard this story. So, okay. so, uh, and he's the actor. He's yes. the actor, yeah. Richard Grieco. Was he uh, a gigolo? <laughs> no, uh, no. Everybody assumed that he probably was at this right, point, but no, I think it. he was coasting on, uh, his booker residuals and he was painting and selling. Yeah. He's, he's a art. really interesting dude. And so wow. we started to get to know him. And originally the show that was pitched to us was a scripted version of that show. And which would have been good too. It would have been good, but we but were after like, meeting the real Jay Rose. Yeah, like yeah. and we went to we went to Vegas and and met some of the real guys, and we're like, this is not a scripted show. This is an amazing docu show. Uh, and then we, you know, took it from there. And that's where a lot of discussions come, where we get excited at least by a unscripted project when you say. Wow, the truth is more interesting than right, the fictional the fiction version or whatever. Like some shows are actually better scripted. There's some things that are uh, supernatural stuff is better scripted. Right. I mean, sure, you could limp your way through, and plenty <laughs> companies do make a good living on supernatural shows, shows where yeah. nothing actually happens and you manufacture something. But scripted versions of that are always better. When it comes to gigolos, the unscripted ver- the unscripted version is better. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so did you, I got to think you knew as soon as you developed that show, this is going to be a hard sell, right? I mean, you, that's not, TLC is not going to buy that. So what well, was your thinking we, in terms of where are we going to sell this? We had had a relationship with Showtime because we had done family business and it was. Right. Um, but that was so, the Undertakers? No, that was the. Uh, that was another family business. Right? It was also on Showtime, wasn't it? No, no. that was. I, what am I thinking of? What was family business? Oh, fa- the Undertakers was six feet under. No, no, but there was a reality uh, version uh, that I no thought idea. was family business. So what was uh, family? So family business? business was the first family reality show comedy, and the way I can prove that is that we got the title <laughs> family business. So uh, it was not the sh- first family like the president first family. It was the first <laughs> show. Yeah, no, with, it was not with yeah. family was business. A but anyway, it's a family concept. business about a single dad trying to raise his kid, looking for love, and his business happened to be uh, making anal sex porn. 
Oh, I never caught that's that one. How, that's, how you, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the truth. I wow. know. It's, it's, All right, so you already knew that Showtime was so we knew we knew, we knew Showtime. Of... We went in, we pitched it to him. Honestly, this was a while ago. But and we who was the exact? Back, uh, I think it was. I'm trying to think. I think it might have been Perlina. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Maybe. It was yeah. Perlina and yeah. Gary. And uh, we just we pitched it to them and. With no tape, yeah. we, we hadn't really done wow. all the casting. We just knew that it was going to be good, and they trusted us. And it was old school. It was a conversation, and then we went just, and did it. Yeah. Would you ever pitch a show like that now? Just over the phone? Like, could you have those relationships where you can just I mean, not we could bring try? Tape, but right? I don't but think I don't think anywhere. anyone will buy anything without yeah. all that tape and all that bullshit. But but <laughs> the truth is that is the. I mean that that was such an a, a solid well it's showtime and they're they're used to just taking pitches and and trusting the producers to bring in the show but that i think the reason that show was successful was partially because of their attitude they're like we trust you we like this go find it go make it here we are do you think that because of that show it was did you have a certain perception, like if you went into a TLC or to another HGTV? I don't know if you've ever pitched there, but we pitch everywhere. Was there a little bit of like, uh, these are the guys that do gigolos? I mean, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, honestly, do you think that there was? Because that was a pretty edgy show. I think maybe that's why when you said, "Is gigolos <laughs> the show you're most known for?" We didn't answer yes right away. <laughs> right. There is something that we we call the porn stink. Anything <laughs> in the adult world kind yeah. of gets on you and doesn't come off and there is that worry I think we've only really come up against it full uh, full frontally uh, <laughs> in, in a big way was I think we, we once lost out on a job at CBS because the, the the talent found out we did family business and they were very Christian and did not like that and then didn't want to work with us and that talent was Dave Ramsey I, <laughs> just what no, who I, was the talent? Was Dave Ramsey. Who he's is a, that? He's a f- bullshit uh, money guy, and it, don't look at me. I'm fu- I'll I'll shit all over him every day of the week. Uh, <laughs> he was gonna like help people lose their debt or something. He's one of those guys that goes on radio and tells you how to invest your money, but he's really full of shit. Did a show um, even go? Uh, no, show never went. So he got uh, his. <laughs> and he's a hypocrite. Yeah, fuck Dave Ramsey, basically. Exactly. Um, okay, so then um, you're looking at me like like I'm going to get sued. What I said nothing libelous, just that he's a douchebag. Keep going. So, how <laughs> many of the shows that you guys develop now and have sold in the last few years are ones that you guys have found internally or producers bring to you? And I would guess, you know, obviously the preference is you come up with them and develop them internally, money wise, right? Because you know you don't have to split anything. But do you depend on those third parties coming in to bring you ideas? I think the business changed a lot in the last, I don't know how many, five, six years where producers without much experience have a phone that has a camera on it and a a computer that can do editing. And when you go to work at a production company, you realize that it's not much more than some phones and some desks. (laughs) And you think, hey, I could do this, too. And maybe there's some truth to that. But a lot of the producers who used to bring us their ideas because we have the reputation and the infrastructure and all that stuff to go out and sell their shows don't come to us anymore because they start their own thing. So I found that we've done less third-party stuff than we used to. I think we're open to third-party stuff. Uh, We end up probably selling more stuff that we just generate internally ourselves. Um, But we love collaborating and we enjoy working with other producers and we like other, I mean, it's great. Other people bringing ideas is fantastic. I've I've (laughs) also found the, the sort of rookie mistake of somebody who doesn't have credits 
uh, who finds a piece of talent or whatever comes in and we try to make a deal and they hold on to it like it's it's this is my dream project and I need this and that. And at a certain point, it's like, all right, dude, just go go do it yourself because yeah. you're, you're never going to get anywhere in this business. And I don't want to ruin my reputation by introducing you to anybody. So Yeah, I, that's why I love your podcast also, because so much of what you guys bitch about are the sort of like kids today of it all, I call it, you know, which is like I'm, I'm sort of close to your age and come up, you know, a little differently, but but have you know, worked from the ground up, done all the hard work and the old fashioned way, so to speak. And it is frustrating sometimes. Like, I don't actually agree, Tony, that it's that bad that you can film stuff on your iPhone and cut it because things can actually get to, I mean, you know, you can sell yeah. stuff off Skype now. I mean, it, it's good. Those kind of changes to me are helpful. But when somebody thinks that because they've done that, they're now an EP and they can run their own show, that's the stuff that pisses right. me off. Um, this technology has made it seem easier <laughs> right. than it is. Because you don't saying... have the skills behind it to actually do right. it. But when we started, it was a huge investment just to have an mm -hmm. Avid yeah. available to you to cut a sizzle tape, which is why it was just paper presentations for the most part. And then when things got easier and cheaper, the marketplace got flooded with a lot of mediocre sales tapes. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I, I think the technology isn't to blame. I think it's entitlement. Well, and I, I actually think, especially when you're talking about characters or you're trying yeah. to show a network, shitty tape is often better because... I, I, another rookie thing that I see a lot is the beautifully shot $4 million graphics on a fucking shitty sizzle that really has no story, but it looks amazing. That's It just seems like somebody wasted a lot of time and money when they could have just Skyped with the person, you know? Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah, but I think everything, settle. Every, everything settles at some point, and the good tapes that used to blow you away because it was they were graphics heavy and were really sexy, you realize there wasn't a lot behind that, so now those aren't as impressive. Yeah, I'll flash no substance. Yeah. And just because you were able to sign somebody in the field when you were a producer and bumped into somebody in Ohio and you thought, okay, great, I'm going to suddenly own a, a show is also, I think, falling by the wayside. I think too many networks have been left holding the bag when producers weren't able to come through. How much of what you guys do now is sort of what I call like targeted development, like even if you love the project, if you can't sell it to X number of networks, we're not going to pursue it. Like, in other words... You know, it's it's expensive to develop. It's time consuming, and you want to sell yeah, shows as quickly as possible. That's a great question. That's a great question. It is something that troubles us now, where it used to not. I, our answer was always, if we like it, if we like <laughs> it, we're going to pursue it, and we don't care if it's only going to go one place. Yeah. Jiggles is a good example. Right. You didn't even have to take that. It, out. it was pay cable or nothing. Right. Um, but but I also think the the worst creative kryptonite you can hear is. It's a great idea, but where's it going to sell? Yeah, like, right. And we say that to each other sometimes, but <laughs> right. we try not to because I still believe if you love the idea and you're passionate, it's just something amazing. Even if there's no place off the off your top of your head that you can sell, those are the ones that sell. It's the it's the great ideas, and you show them to anyone you can, and those will be good because it doesn't matter what that th this today history is only doing show is about 45 year old fat guys or whatever it is <laughs> because if you bring them something amazing yeah. that'll change their whole edict and then 18 producers after you will be chasing what you what you were passionate about so yeah. I, I do believe that it's hard because a lot of times the good idea but where's it going to sell does stop you but we try not to be stopped by that and do you, um, how much does an agent factor into that mix? I mean, I think Jay and I had a lunch conversation about agents, which we'll keep off the record, but. Um, <laughs> I'm sure wonderful things were said. Yeah, agents are the best and they're super helpful all the time. 
Okay, so anyway. Okay. Yeah. All right. So no, we we no. we like our Asians. I mean, but no. We sometimes yeah. my experience is like actually it has been super helpful. Where I'm like, this is amazing. This family, you know, it was um, it was a rodeo show that was brought to me, and it was ama- I love this family. I love, and the agents like this exact show with another family was literally just, and it never sold, and we didn't even bother because it was like it's been around already. Right. No, that kind of information is very helpful. I think we try to get opinions from everybody. It just helps you. I don't think it should stop you, like Jay is saying. If, right. if you love something, don't let any, just because it was pitched or just because it's on another network even yeah. doesn't mean you can't make another one that's good or better. Um, but it's good to get opinions as well. So we do include our agents all the time when we when but, we. But we, stuff. I mean, look, there's there's times when our agents have said, "Hey, have you thought about selling it here?" Right. And we hadn't, and right. then we totally. end up selling it there. So that's fantastic. Of course. There's also times when our agents kind of poo-poo an idea mm-hmm. or say, ah, "I don't know," and we just love it, and we just force it down people's throats and sell it. Isn't so, that the best? Yeah. And you're like, oh, guess what happened? Now you're going to have to negotiate with this network that you said this show was never, show was the, never going to sell. The frustrating part is that <laughs> it's not really good comeuppance because they're still happy. <laughs> exactly. they're, they're they still really, get their cuts, yeah, so you haven't really... They're still really, happy for you. Yeah. So, and and all, I found at least our, our current agents have admitted when they've been wrong. And, yeah. And I appreciate... And I try to admit when we're wrong, but I'm not that good at or it. Or when a network <laughs> says, we're going to pass, but I'm sure you'll find a home for it. And then uh, you do find a home no, for it, and you're the, like... Yeah. Well, the I was just—I thought we were going somewhere else. The worst, yeah, one of the one, of, one of the worst things is when a network tells you where they would. You're like, look, we're here to sell it to you, fuckhead. Don't tell me you should go <laughs> Have someplace you taken else. This to Bravo, yeah, like, yeah. like, fuck you. Like, yeah. thanks. No, would you, would you I had like an to take it? Call yeah. another exec at another network for me, which I actually kind of appreciated. Yeah, yeah. It saved me the step. Yeah. But she explained why she couldn't right. do it, and then she literally got on the phone. So that was a little better version of that. But yeah, that's fucking but, annoying. Well, yes. Because when. <laughs> If the network is going to say, I can't do it, but let, you should go here, yeah. 99% of the time, it's not going to sell there. Like, they're wrong. They're wrong. Well, and also, yeah. like, don't you think they're fond of that? Well, yeah. there's also that. <laughs> right. But it's also just not a good suggestion. <laughs> exactly. It's just, almost as bad as you're done pitching and then the person in the room just, okay. Then you know you're fucked. There's no questions. Okay, right, great. great. Get it. Totally yeah, get it. Totally, totally get it. That's awesome. You're I, fucked. I... And the best is when you leave those meetings with your talent or whoever, and they're like, I thought that one really cool. Uh, You're yeah. like, oh, sweetie, yeah. that was called a pass. That, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was it, like, they don't ask a question, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's, pitching is its own wonderful thing where there's camaraderie for those of us who have done it and get it. And then if you talk about it with anybody who does it, <laughs> and they look at you like you're crazy and it makes no sense to them. Do you guys like it? Like, do you look forward to it or do you dread it? <laughs> That's funny. Or does it change on like what you, what you're pitching? I think if you look forward to pitching, something's wrong with you. Right. Like you have a screw loose. Really? Some kind sometimes of, yeah. if I'm super excited about a project that I've been working on a long time, I can't wait to take it out. I'm excited to have a, a sale, <laughs> right. but the pitching part I'm not right. looking forward to. I'm looking forward to making that. <laughs> right. Selling I want to yeah, bypass if, the if actual coming to all our shows for us. We'd be happy. <laughs> right. Like it's, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, we st- we like start dominoing backwards how little we <laughs> look forward to pitching. Like two days earlier, like oh fuck, I gotta go get on the ten and I gotta go right. drive. Right, right, right. And I'm going to be waiting 20 minutes. So I know you guys, like, I feel like I read that you guys optioned a scripted series at one point off a book or something. Is scripted, I could be totally wrong, is scripted something that you guys also want to get into? Yeah, I mean, who who doesn't? Right. <laughs> well, a, I mean, is it an aggressive part of your? It's aggressive in that we option some stuff and we try and yeah. we sit down with writers and you know we're working on a couple hybrid things and and you know yeah we 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 like it. It's it, but I think. The, the the bridge between reality TV or whatever unscripted and scripted 
seems like a tough one to cross. It's yeah. not you, you could be giant in one and and it's and, more and, like and, one of those bridges that go up for the boats and it's right now just parted. So you have to do some kind of fast and the furious move where you jump over that big well, it's, opening. But, but it's, it's also hard it's to also get to not that side. not that you'd want to come be inscripted and come to our side of the world, but those every once in a while you we, we have a meeting with some A-list writer who's, you know, right on some giant sitcom or whatever, and they're like, Oh, he's got a great reality idea we want you guys to sit down with him and then we sit down with him and his idea is just what if you put 12 people in a house oh, you know and it's just like right. really dude like it's not that easy fuck you but conversely it might be what our ideas are on the scripted side so you don't i don't think so i'm just gonna be I, fair I, no i'm just saying it's very condescending when those guys come to us with the right. dumbest but reality it might be and equally then, as condescending to think that we could get to the other side to the scripted world yeah but i, I don't come and say hey what if it's like four friends and they hang out in a coffee shop i don't think it's i'm not <laughs> that point, good annoying. point good point good yeah. point yeah i think this is also a, a byproduct of what happens to you when you're always trying to sell yeah is your brain is never off so you're reading the newspaper or a magazine or watching TV and you hear about a book or a story or something and you just think, wow, that's going to be a cool something. Yeah. Now, it might make a better scripted show, so you try to pursue that. It might right. make a better unscripted show, so you pursue that. But you're always thinking of things, and so it's hard to let a good idea or a good concept go past you and not jump on it. And, so, And we've never, we, we've never, like, dreamed of doing unscripted or documentary we we got into it we we found we were decent at it but we started as comedy writers so yeah. so we like we like what we like it, I, it's to us it's not about whether it's scripted or not it's it's what's the project and how can we sell it tony i know you talk about your love of documentaries so that's kind of fun, comes up as like a funny thing that i like jay doesn't watch them and you do it's, but i watch them i just don't need oh, him to tell me about them for hours you know like i'm a i probably watched more docs in my life than you i just don't talk about them there's oh, nothing so, so you're better nothing. at all of that yes you watch more and just don't talk about exactly. it exactly making you a far better person in, in so many ways yeah okay cool he's an undercover doc watcher nice. Um, do those, is that something, I mean, I always think it's kind of ironic and then like, I want to make a documentary. It's like, if you're doing reality unscripted, you're, you're kind of making, like you guys have done, you know, MSNBC shows that are, are mini documentaries basically. Right. I mean, the difference is yeah. they have commercials in them. Um, is there sort of like, it would be great to just do a straight doc if you find something that you like that maybe doesn't warrant a series. Have you guys ever talked about that? Well, I mean, w w one of the first things that we worked on back in the early, early days was Small Town Ecstasy, which was a pure doc for HBO about a family that does ecstasy. And that was a great experience, but I don't think we could do anything. I mean, that was six months going deep undercover, wow. following a family. Holding cameras. Yeah. Did like, you guys find that family? Yeah. And that, that's so. I have to. Is it still av available somehow to watch? I'm sure. I'm sure yeah, it's on sure the internet somewhere. or something. Okay. Yeah. It's and or, then you brought it to HBO, or you made it first, and then you sold it to them. It was. It, it was a complicated story where we were we're working with uh, Arnold Shapiro mm -hmm. and uh, doing a doc about ecstasy. Just generally, this was a long time ago when ecstasy was taken over the dance culture, and. Uh, mm -hmm. In, in shooting, in like the first couple of weeks of filming, we went to raves, we, went, we met with drug dealers, and at this one rave, we ended up meeting the subjects of the, what ended up being the full subjects of the doc, and they were so interesting. It was, it was a father and his son who were doing ecstasy together for the first time on camera, like when we just happened upon them. How old so, was the kid? The kid was like 20, 19 or 19. something. The, the dad was had just turned 40, never had a smoke or a beer in his life, was a preacher's son, and at 40 was like, you know what, I'm going to 
let loose. I'm going to try this drug that my teenage son has been talking about. And the next thing you know, this guy's selling it and he does it with his 12 and his 15 year old and all shit. Goes and then the, the mom comes off. over and, and then the cops and then the yeah. dad. It's a, yeah. it's a whole saga. Yeah. But but as we were sort of doing our preliminary kind of shooting and researching for the beginning of our let's do a, an all encompassing ecstasy doc, uh, we found the dad and his son. And we're like, what's up? They're like, oh, well, we're doing ecstasy and dad's never done it before. And and we start interviewing them on camera and then realize, holy shit, this is let's let's not worry about anyone else except these guys. And so but, an answer, but in answer to your question, doing a real doc and I put real in air quotes, but doing <laughs> a feature length true documentary takes a lot more time, commitment and I was going to say a, a lack of expectation for money right, <laughs> than, right. than what, what, what we do. Yeah, so at this point, I we'll understand. try to do as close to a pure documentary as we can in the shows that we do. Right. But doing a feature-length doc is something that I think is— Well, I mean, there, there's a couple of things we're developing right now that may end up being feature-length stocks, and maybe we sell them to a streaming service. And, right. you know, so, so we're definitely looking at that. It's just not as easy as when— you know, we yeah. don't give a fuck about anything. Well, and also, yeah, like, unlike shows, people aren't handing you the money usually to make right. these, yeah. right. which is nice. So I always end by doing sort of like stock questions, my uh, inside the actor studio, if you will. All right. Um, my first question, I guess well, I'll post to each of you, is what is your proudest? Absolutely not. <laughs> Sorry, I got ahead of myself. <laughs> no? okay. It actually is not a yes or no. Uh, what is your proudest, pr- proudest professional accomplishment? Uh, there's so many and so few. Um, hmm. Do people have an easy answer to this? No, it's always hard. It's always hard. Good, because I, I don't. Yeah, and it's not necessarily even one show, but it's, you know, like people have said, like getting a show to this particular show to a second season or, you know, finding this talent in the middle of nowhere that turned out to be, a, you know, it's sort of more like a moment. I would say in a in a abstract way, I don't think it's one show. I mean, there's plenty of shows that yeah. I'm proud of and some other ones that I'm not. But I, I think in trying to stick to whether it's a a show about sex, but trying to show it in a in a surprising way, or a straight up doc, but but not going at it th- from the usual, or or just like a cookie cutter formatted show, but giving it some sort of special something that that I, I I'd say that when that happens, it makes me proud. I wasn't listening to anything you just said. <laughs> I was thinking, because we're like in this little treehouse of a studio. Yeah. Um, I was thinking what I find some of my best moments, I'm not sure they're the proudest, but some of my best moments are when I look around the room and it's just me and Jay thinking of ideas. And I remember there was once upon a time these two 17-year-old kids just dreaming of finding something they would do together in their lives, and we've done that. That makes me very happy. That makes me feel content, fulfilled, whatever the word might be. Um, the fact that we're still friends, and we're doing something that's pretty goddamn cool. Um, those are moments that I find particularly enjoyable. Is Jay getting teary? Uh, <laughs> Jay's not. <laughs> I'm getting teary. That's I, I could really get sweet. I could get teary. I don't want to because Jay right. will mock me, and I can't only handle so much of that in a day. <laughs> there was one show. What, what show was it? I remember it was a really intense shoot. 
I can't remember which one. It was one, it was like a network show, and it was an intense shoot for weeks and weeks. And the the final thing finally happened, and the prize or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. Oh yeah, we cried. And and we walked out, and we we're like kind of high fived, and it was just this. And he says kind of high five because we're both not good at the high five, <laughs> so yeah. it was mostly just, it was mostly just a bad high five. But it was just a really tense shoot, and it was up until the last minute whether we'd actually have an ending, and we got the perfect ending. And we we wrapped, and Tony and I were sort of walking away from the set, just trying to collect our thoughts, and like we both just kind of burst out into tears. Like it was just super cathartic and like relieving, and I don't know, it was intense. Yeah, it's important to have those moments. You get kicked in the balls every day, multiple times. It's a very frustrating thing, and it makes for a, a very difficult life sometimes. So when we do get out into the field, or we do have a moment of just breath, you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like. Those two 17-year-old kids would have really thought this was going to be cool. Aw. And that actually, I didn't ask this earlier, but do you guys, and you don't have to answer this, but I hope you do. Do you guys vent to each other about your personal lives, too? I mean, assuming you have them. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's funny you bring that up on this podcast because one of the initial reasons why we did a podcast was to just vent about life. And it became a place where we talked about our personal lives more than we usually did. So now, sadly, we save all of that for the podcast. So if I see an interesting documentary, like you said, or something happens in my personal life or something's bugging me, I'm not going to talk about it until the podcast starts up because I want to save it. Oh, I like that because it's our our annoying personal talk is all contained. So (laughs) I don't have to deal with it the rest of the week. Got it. Interesting. And are you like, do the families hang out and is there, or is it enough already? We see each other. We see each other enough. Yeah. (laughs) What? That's kind of hurtful. It's, It's a fact. I know. Okay. <laughs> Were you guys each other's best man at your weddings? Yeah. That's nice. Well, he has a brother, so I was going to like co. Okay, co bro. He was co, though. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the next question is, do you have any regrets? I've had a few. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Um, huh. As much as I'm accused of being negative, and I'm sure it's mostly true, I try not to have regrets. I just don't see the world that way. Mm-hmm. It's all the things that have happened have made me be here and I'm not trying to have some kind of new age bullshit mindfulness talk. It's just I just this fucking job makes you regret so much if you <laughs> let, if you let it. You I'm watching an, a cut and I regret I can regret so many things that happen in those 22 minutes. I would want to jump out a window. You just just let it go. Don't regret it. It happened. Make yeah. the best of it. That's what editing is all about, making the best of something. And if you're good at that, you could probably try to do that in your real life. Yeah. Um, I'll just go more specific. I just remember, well, I have many regrets, but one that just came to mind was on a show called Welcome the Neighborhood, which is a whole other podcast, but it, it, it was a good show. And the mistake we made on, there was an elimination every episode. It was old school. Was it and like a house a house show? They gave away a house on a cul-de-sac to a family they wanted to live on their real block. Oh, wow. And the, the neighbors would make the decision of who which family gets eliminated and then one family gets a house. Was it real? Like they yeah, really it was really yeah. the house? Oh, it, was, it was amazing. It was, it was too real. Um, <laughs> and I rarely say the word amazing when it comes to right, television. Right. Certainly things that we've done. It was amazing. It really was. It was about racism and homophobia. Really? And yeah, we, we solved all that in six episodes. Congratulations. But, but yeah, well, and then it's in there. So that yeah. was awesome. I was going to ask what network. Yeah. No, oh, it, it was for ABC and hurts. it never aired because of uh, controversy. But I do remember the one mistake we made. There were in the elimination ceremony. We had the first night we had the whole family standing there with the kids and 
the family gets eliminated and it was fine. And then as the family's like walking away off camera, I hear this little girl say to her parents like, mommy, why don't they like us? And like, mm-hmm. I ended up talking to her and it was all fine. But like, and it was just, I think at the time I, my kid was around the same age and it just it hit me in the gut of like, fuck, like that's just, that's not okay. And from then on, we never had the kids in the elimination and we yeah, fixed it. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, but it, it was just, it just made stuck me, with you. it, it kind of stuck with me because it makes you realize like, all right, we're still dealing with human beings right, here. These are real know? lives. Yeah, yeah. And it is easy to forget that sometimes. Well, you have to in order to do the right, job. So, right, yeah. you do. It's true. And do you guys actually watch, I know you watch Docs, both of you, but do you, <laughs> um, do you watch any reality TV? And like what, the, so the question, the stock question is, what are your top three favorites if you have them? I watch them mostly for sport. Okay. Just, to I rag on them, you mean? No, I'm not to rag them, just because I'm competitive, and oh, so I want to okay. see what's being done yeah. to hopefully push me to do better myself yeah. or to feel good about what I've done. <laughs> right. But I don't watch it for enjoyment. It's really just wow. a job when I'm watching reality. So I don't relax right. when I'm watching any reality show. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I think the last reality show I watched was Idiot Abroad on Netflix, which isn't quite reality because it's yeah. sort of comedy, and I, I, I can't watch... Is that the Ricky Gervais? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't watch American reality shows. It's right. just, it's too painful. Just Canadian? Yeah. Canadian <laughs> and British, yeah. Okay, got it. And French. We know you like French. <laughs> um, do you, you have script? I'm assuming you watch scripted? Like, you watch TV, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. What yeah. are your favorite scripted ones? Favorite shows? Wow. Um, I like <coughs> The Detour right now on TBS. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of shows. Is that the Jason and, Jones? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking of I shows that, that people might not know about that right. you should check out. Yeah. All the, if you count like Bill Maher, I watch yeah. that. Does that count as reality? Yeah, I had I on love Scott John Carter. Oliver. I had Scott Carter, who's been Bill Maher's EP for a gazillion mm. years. That was a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, and we went like deep into the whole Milo asshole controversy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he, it's an episode, interesting yeah. one. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I love. I consider. Yeah, I consider Bill Maher right, reality. Well, I mean, but I consider I like that, that. I consider yeah. that a job. Like that's part of just being a human being. Is yeah. you need to watch something like that that yeah, helps like know your shit, to know what's going on in the world, yeah. and be informed. And so that's not enjoyable either. I watch that, but it's not again and relaxing. Work. It's work. It's a different yeah. kind of work. Yeah. I don't know why that just reminded me of the podcast you did um, with that editor with during the whole Trump thing of, from The Apprentice. Because it was so interesting to me because basically during the interview, Tony was like, this is terrible and we're not getting anything that we want out of this. And it was interesting that you still aired it because it really was. I mean, it was like there was, was a terrible. few nuggets, yeah. Yeah. but it was like I felt your pain. But I thought it was cool that you still aired it because it really didn't reveal that much. It revealed absolutely nothing <laughs> other than that we're assholes. <laughs> That's all part of it, though. You learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff still. I also, because thanks to you guys, had on the guy that does the network notes. The, uh, oh, yeah. Like, yeah it was funny guy. So funny. It was really. That stuff is so it, enjoyable to read. It's the best. So cathartic. It's so great. Yeah. yeah and and so he told me a couple on. really good stories. Hasn't, I haven't dropped it yet, but he told me a couple of really good stories that, and then like would tell me the real person off, like the real network notes, mm. and then told me like who they were off mic, and that was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> we all stuff. love the war stories. Thanks, you guys, so much for doing this. This is a real treat. Thanks for having us. It's fun. Thanks. 